we're all protecting you. We have, we have all protected, protected you. you. About my marriage? About what you told us about your marriage. With the mostest? We you told us. Okay, I don't know. Don't, don't ever so bring so you guys around me. Let me tell you something. The only thing. If I want to see that, I would have wrote it. I'm not really sure what I've done to you, but I'm not Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Hot and Bravo podcast on the Buttered Pop Network. It's Eddie Estrada here with my co-host, Armin. Arms, how you doing? I'm doing great, Eddie. I'm uh, thankful that you're calling in tonight, even though you're not here in studio. I do miss your physical presence, but this will do. I miss you, too. Today was a tricky situation, but I will be in studio for the rest of the podcast um, this week. But tonight had to be a little bit different, and I'm missing you so much as well. Um, but we're here to talk about Real Housewives of Beverly Hills Reunion Part 2, which was explosive, to say the least. It was a really, really great reunion episode, I think. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. How about you? Some all-time moments, for sure. That Camille walk-off is going to be replayed for a long time. (laughs) The Camille walk-off was legendary. It was one of those moments that you're just like, you will always remember on Housewives. Would it have been as good if her dress didn't break? No, it wouldn't have been as good. Her, I think she unzipped it. She unzipped she was, it, right? I, I think she was trying to get the mic pack out. That was the whole point of her unzipping and just trying to get the mic off. The unzipping of the dress is what like kind of tops it all off because it just looks like the most awkward thing in the world. Shit, and then Andy's in the background her. like, what setup? What? Wait, what setup? What are you talking about? And everyone's incredulous. And then there's like Camille who's just trying to take her dress off in the middle of the set. It's crazy. And she's like muttering to herself and is like, oh, these women, like these bitches, they're all coming for me. Like, oh. And I'm like, this woman is like definitely on the crazy train. She's like, it's a witch hunt. They're all coming for me. It's a witch hunt. She thinks she's uh, in the crucible or some shit. She thinks it's some kind of scarlet letter on her back because, you know, she decided to be nice to LVP. But, girl, that's not the reason these ladies are mad. There's so, so much more. Um, but let's get into the reunion because Camille's the very end. And we've got a lot of stuff to cover before we get to her. Um, beginning with um, the liar of the group, which is Teddy Mellencamp. <laughs> See, when you say the liar of the group, I feel like that's a different person for everybody. Oh, yeah, I guess. Some people would think Dorit, right? Some people would think Camille. Um, Some people would say Kyle. But you're right. Teddy is a liar despite the fact that she claims that she has never told a lie. And Andy calls her out on this. And he's like, so essentially you're lying about the lying? And she's like, well, yeah, but... (laughs) She's like, I wasn't lying. You know, I told Dorit one thing and Dorit was like, no, 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 no. You never told me any of those things then. You definitely said it after. But, it, you know, in that moment, you just said you had unpure thoughts. Yeah, she's like, no, at that moment, you didn't tell me that you had once called me a narcissist or a bad mom. You just said I have impure thoughts. But later, yes, you told me. And Teddy's like, yeah, you see, I own it. I always own it. And this is what doesn't make sense. Just because you own it, Teddy, doesn't mean you didn't once lie. But Teddy, you know what Teddy has? Jack's syndrome. What's Jack? Oh, Jack's Taylor. And it makes sense that they're friends. If y'all didn't know that, by the way, listening, they are like really good friends. They go to Rams games together and whatnot. They're tight. They're really tight. So and they're this, and it's because they're the same age too. I actually think Teddy is younger. No, she is. Yeah, she's younger. So. 
Teddy has Jack syndrome because this is a common Jack's refrain, right, Eddie? Yes. Where Jack goes, yes. hey, look, I mean, you could say that I cheated, but I owned up to it. So did I really cheat? Teddy's doing the same thing here where she's like, I owned up to it. So I've never told a lie. No. What are you, you owning up to? You are owning up to telling a lie. And she kind of like tries to like fudge it and goes, no, I didn't quite tell a lie. I just didn't tell the whole truth. I misrepresented facts. And it's like... You- you know what my mom always told me? Not telling the tr- not telling the whole truth is the same thing as lying because there's still a secret being told. Yeah, yes. it's a form of a lie, okay? Exactly. You are like, I guess, categorizing the lie, but, you know... The, it's still a lie. A lie is an umbrella, right? And then, like, under that you have, like, white lies. You have big little lies. You have... Okay, okay. <laughs> get out of here, Mary Louise. Get, get out of here. Who is the Mary Louise of the group? Uh... Oh, definitely Savannah Pump. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know you know quite well Lisa Vanderpump is the Mary Louise of the group where she's like, Oh, I'm not doing anything wrong. Because these of the teeth. Obser- these are my observations. Oh, do not talk about <laughs> if you can't talk about Lisa Rinna's husband, you better not talk about Lisa Vanderpump's teeth. <laughs> Don't you dare talk about the teeth. Oh, I just I love Meryl Streep's, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but real quick, I love Meryl Streep's commitment. The fact that she's like, I want to have teeth similar to Alexander Skarsgård's, make me some fake teeth so I look like his mom. That's just commitment on another level. Thank you, Meryl Streep. I appreciate you. Second season was kind of a shit show, but you're awesome. The ending was shit. It's fine. Game of Thrones. Uh, We had Game of Thrones. We had Big Little Lies doing us dirty. HBO, please do not do the same thing with Euphoria. We love it. But you know who's a big Um, little liar is Teddy, okay? I'm sorry, Teddy. Yeah. (laughs) What you did was a lie. Yes, you owned up to it, but what you owned up to was lying. Lying. Um, Let's talk about uh, the idea that a lot of the people have thought that um, John Blizzard should have been fired because of the things he had said about Dorit and other cast members to Lisa Vanderpump. And what I thought was oh, so juicy about this, because once again, Andy uses a clip of Adrian to prove his point about Lisa Vanderpump and why she's in the wrong. Because if, if we forgot, uh, Adrian had the um, chef Bernie from back in the day, and he was like, close the doors when Lisa Vanderpump comes in. He's like, close the doors. He was rolling her eyes. Oh, that old British lady doesn't like mac and cheese. And Lisa Vanderpump herself says in the reunion that she thinks he should have been fired because... Or reprimanded. Or reprimanded for what he did. Now, the ladies are like, okay, well, Bernie was actually doing his job cooking. He made offhand comments about, you know, Lisa Vanderpump. Whereas Blizzard got himself inserted into the drama, basically was a fake mouthpiece for LVP to trash another housewife. And none of that was part of his job. He wasn't doing anything. He was just starting drama. So what do you think, Armin? Do you think he should have been reprimanded or should he not have been? And do you think it's the same situation as Bernie and Adrian? I think LVP would give this qualifier. That LVP and Adrian were friends at the time and after the fact. However, LVP and Dorit were no longer friends. I think that would be her qualifier, right? Because the whole essential element of it was that how can you allow someone who works for you to talk shit on your friends without at least saying something? Yeah. LVP would just say, well, Dorit's not my friend. As she said, well, I don't really love you. 
but still that's that's I still think that's a cop out and I think that's hypocritical and unfair don't you it's slightly hypocritical uh but it's an essential part of I think the concept right I mean you can't fire all of your employees who talk shit everyone talks shit no and I don't think any employee who does talk shit about you know unless it's like you know your family and it's going to directly affect you. I would hope that if I had the help, we could all talk shit about the people that I don't like. And, and honestly, even if someone, you know, talks shit about your family and they work under you, firing is a draconian punishment. I yeah. would I would at least go to a, like, just some sort of, some form of reprimanding them. I don't know what that would look like. It kind of just depends on the role, right? Yeah. Like, maybe it's like, you know, Blizzard, you can't work those events. You love to work. And and you get OT. You can't be in con- yeah, you can't get in contact with those ladies because, you know, you have a history of getting yourself inserted into their drama. Or like you you have like toilet duty. You gotta like clean the yeah. toilets at Vanderpump Dogs. I don't know. Some you something. With, you have to do some scenes with James Kennedy. You know, it's fine. <laughs> exactly. That's probably the worst form of the punishment. So I would kind of go there and not full blown firing. Um, but I do see their point. I just think LVP yeah. wouldn't buy it. LVP no, would say, I'm not friends with Dorit, so it doesn't apply to me. Well, let's let's be real. LVP would have an excuse for anything if she was at the re- this reunion, which is what LVP does, which is uh, why I love loved the way she used to be. Um, I would have loved to I see also, it. I also did like the point that the ladies brought up, that it was very weird that Lisa kept calling this person a junior in the company, where he had a lot more power and s- seemed status than you know, than what she was saying. Um, and I actually had this theory and I said this way before as well, that there's photos of John Blizzard being friends with the family for years, having worked with them for a very long time. If he was an event planner, he's a senior employee in the company. Lisa must have had a ton of contact with him. I mean, I'm kind of on the lady side with this where it's kind of like, it's something is fishy. Something's off with her kind of downplaying his role when it's clear his role was a lot larger than they were saying. They try to act like this is the mafia or some shit where, where Kyle's like, he knows too much. He knows where the bodies are buried. Like, <laughs> they can't get rid of him. I have a feeling he's going to be working there a long, long time. And I'm like, <laughs> they groom fucking dogs. <laughs> like, what does he know? Like, there's nothing it's he the knows. the mafia <laughs> where they really get those dogs from. I'm not making any accusations. Those dogs come from the streets. Lisa does wonderful work for these animals. I was just making a joke. Please do not come for me. They literally coordinate dog adoptions and take good care of dogs. This this is this is like the underground seedy operation that LVP is running. Really happens in West Hollywood at Vanderpump Dogs is the mafia. According according to Kyle, it gets too ridiculous for me at times. I'm sorry. By the way, speaking of the BH culture of secrecy. Andy mentions that fans have been theorizing online that the reason why all the housewives focus so much on LVP um, yes. was to divert attention from their husband's lawsuits or even their very own lawsuits in the case of Dorit. Erica's like resolved and they apologized. Yes. Kyle, Kyle like said. blows the fuck up. I love that. My husband did not scam anyone, Monty from Magoonsville. It's Amy from Texas. Okay, Amy from Texas. And then they finally addressed that Dorit video that that yes that came out during the off season. 
Okay, that also, I now I realize why they didn't show the footage. They were so far away filming it. They weren't next to them, which is probably why they didn't use it at all. Well, but, but we've talked about this. It, yeah. They have before released iPhone footage on The Real Housewives. So they could have used yeah. that footage if they wanted to. They would just have to get a release from the person who actually filmed it. And I'm sure that person would have been down. Are you kidding me? To just like oh, come upon been, like, like 10 trash. grand or something? She's like, please, yeah, if, if Dorit can't pay it, have the production company paid instead. <laughs> um, yeah, but I'm glad they actually addressed that because, and this is something that even Ken said on his uh, Twitter rant <laughs> uh, the other day where he brought up their, you know, lawsuits and everything. And I think this is a question that a lot of um, Housewife fans have had for a while of like, okay, well, why aren't they bringing this up? What's going on with all this? So even though it was a small glimpse into the, those legal battles, I think it was something that was needed. Because um, if we kept skirting around it, it would have just made the entire situation look worse. I feel like Andy has never addressed off-screen um, drama to this extent before. No, he hasn't. And it's because there's so much happening on the internet around this season that it's hard not to. And I think it's, we're going to see this a lot more as we progress through Housewives seasons. Because I think the social side of Bravo and Housewives and the inter- interaction between fans and fans and cast members is so huge now and that's such an integral part of not only the Bravo world but I think reality TV in general that we're going to see a lot more storylines some second uh, screening right yeah some there's going to be a lot more about the second screen I mean we're already seeing it a lot with like Snapchats Instagram stories tweets um in, you know Instagram posts and they'll flash them on the screen or they'll talk about it but there we have to move into the space of multiple screens breaking the fourth wall like or breaking the third world, like Ramona would say, it's, it's not going to be a thing anymore because there is no more fourth wall. The interaction between the people behind the screen and the people watching the screen is a shared experience at this point because they're interacting. You're experiencing this with them. You're having your own commentary. And there's no more fourth wall, if you think about it, truly. But I also think it's somewhat franchise-specific because there is a culture of secrecy in BH. Yeah. You know, Andy asks all the housewives, why they didn't address Dorit being bombarded in front of the cameras. And, you know, Rinna says some excuse about how, like, well, why would we, you know? Like, there's no point. Like, why would we? And it's like, well, your friend just got, like, harassed. You should talk about that in front of the camera. Oh, and by the way, the cameras did catch the harassment. Yeah. Even if it's not a perfect angle, if you guys talk about it, then they're going to seek out that iPhone footage and exactly. pay, pay to be able to use it. Exactly. And they still have that, you know, higher quality, longer view of it. And then Kyle synthesizes it best because mm-hmm. Kyle to me is the spearhead of this culture. She says, quote, we didn't want that to come out to hurt Dorit or PK. And yes. it had nothing to do with us as a group. Eddie, I'm sorry if we're about to go on a tangent here, but I have to just say it again. Kyle has to go. This whole cast has to go. This is probably controversial. You know, I I hope the listeners don't hate me for it. Um, But I think you're going to have a lot more support for this opinion than you think. Don't we want to watch the real Housewives? But what do we know for a fact about this franchise? It's that they are obsessed with editing and curating their lives. It is the exact polar opposite of Roni. And why do we love Roni so much? Because they bear it all out there. Are there a few things kept hidden? Yeah, but 
they do get addressed somewhat. You know, Sonya going through her legal battles. Even though she couldn't talk about specifics when she was going through it, it was a major narrative, right? Like, Sonya may be going bankrupt. She may lose the townhouse. She's going through so much shit. Bethany going through a divorce. Again, she can't really talk about it all, but she's having mental breakdowns during uh, season nine at the Berkshires, talking about how it's still not over, it's torture, right? They still address it to as much as they can, but BH always uses the excuse that, well, they are ongoing legal matters. That's why we just didn't even bring it up at all. And that's just a BS excuse because, like, even though you can't talk details, everyone knows you are in a legal matter. It's not fully disclosed that there's some that there is a lawsuit going on. Obviously, that stuff is public and people can know about it. So it can be talked about to an extent in front of the camera, but they choose not to because I think their hope is that it never gets brought up. And that's why I'm really glad that Andy called them out on it. Finally, let's put it out there. So you can't hide during the season because guess what? Andy's going to bring it up during the reunion. Okay, the only thing that I'm going to say is that I, the, I don't think this, I don't think changing the entire cast would make any difference is because the difference between Beverly Hills and New York in the sense of who's on the cast is kind of, if you're in Los Angeles, if you're in Beverly Hills, there's going to be secrets that people are keeping. It comes with the culture of the city. It comes with the culture of Los Angeles and celebrity and entertainment in that whole space. I mean, this whole city is built on lies, secrecy, and keeping things hidden. And so I think no matter who you get, no matter what you do, there's always going to be this sort of mystery hiding hush hush culture because that's the culture of Beverly Hills. That's the culture of Los Angeles. And while I know it bugs you, I think it's part of the thing that keeps me kind of interested in Beverly Hills is because, you know, like, how are they avoiding these conversations? What are they talking about? And oh, I, I mean, love when they I love when they debate glassware. It's just great. You know, this is what I respect about LVP this season. And I was saying this during the beginning of the season. She was trying to give us some drama. Okay? For all you LVP haters out there, what do you think she was doing? She was trying to give us a narrative. And then they all had to call her out on it. And it's like, yeah, because you guys are just going to sit there and do nothing. And guess what? Dorit may have kind of fucked up. So let's call her out on it. Let's make a narrative out of it. And instead, because they are all afraid of drama and maybe their own shit coming out they're like oh this is this is perfect because we all know lvp is producing because we produce too they're all producing they're constantly producing kyle right there she just said it she said we didn't want that to come out to her to read her pk what is that that's producing she's producing the essence of the show she's producing the moment and the vibe around dorit and pk they're just such hypocrites and it's really annoying because actually lvp was the one person who was like i'm gonna give you guys a show and they okay, ruin it. They immediately are like, oh, no, we're going to stop this. Like, we're just going to call you out for producing. You guys produce. Come on. Okay. And, I, and this could be also talked about on all the franchises. I mean, we're not hearing about in New York about Sonia having to live with her daughter because she can't afford a house of her own. And that's why she's bringing out the townhouse and she's going to be living with her daughter. We're not going to see that on the show. She said that her and her daughter were that her daughter was staying with her and that her daughter wanted to paint things. Like every single housewife, we're not going to talk about even all the drama that's going on with her and her husband and all that shit that's going down. Like there's every season, every there's a spectrum. There's a spectrum, Eddie. But like no, BH is like ninety percent secrets. BH is ninety percent secrets. It's bullshit. But I think, and I think that does bother some people. But I think that's part of. I think that's part of what Beverly Hills is. You know what I mean? And I think Beverly Hills is a franchise that's built on secrets. But that's more and interesting when you get a season one reveal 
of Kim being an alcoholic or a season two reveal of but now we said it or a season three reveal of the Adrian situation and then that wasn't even revealed because she was threatening to sue production so that became actually or, this very or, strange you know edit season, that was that was fascinating itself or a season nine reveal of the person of what? who's making all those reveals come out <laughs> as the mastermind which boring is, I, boring okay. Okay, boring. I mean, and by the fine. way, you could say it's boring. That's fine. I really enjoyed the season. No, I, I enjoyed it people. too. I enjoyed it too. But it's it would be way more fascinating if we got to hear about how Mauricio's scamming people, or we how or how we get to hear about Dorit and PK's lawsuits and how they are living beyond their means. Which you, by the way, have been talking about for three years yes. now. You have been calling this out since day one, and you've been ahead of that story actually going back to the buttered pop days yes why has that not been a story oh because we were talking about panty gate we were talking about whether someone wore panties or not for a whole season we were talking about whether someone used a proper glass for wine for a whole season eddie for an entire season and you're saying okay well we finally got a good one yeah i mean it was good relative to the garbage that's come out the last two seasons i don't know I guess I'm just kind of fired up. But I, I know you're fired up, but I also do feel like, okay, if we did take away everything that happened this season and the whole storyline happened about Puppygate and it was the whole way Lisa had planned it where Dorit gets dragged to the drama, we would have been saying the same thing about Puppygate. Why was this the drama the whole season? It was just, it was, you know, it was the dog. They got the dog back. It's fine. It's no big deal. Like this was dragged on. Everyone's still talking about Puppygate. I, I think I think it's just the curse. It's a double-edged sword because you can't win in Beverly Hills. It seems either way. If the drama happens to go on for so long and there's a big drama for the whole season, it's like, okay, it's drama. Unless you have those really dramatic, terrifying moments like Kim or Taylor. But I think Beverly Hills has moved from that because both of those storylines has caused so much drama in the real world. One ended with a suicide. One has ended with returning to rehab multiple times and not being able to be get yeah be that's to too sober. dark that's too dark it's it's very dark when the secrets of beverly hills get released because the secrets of los angeles and the entertainment industry are so dark it's catastrophic. but how about season five like at the very least you get arena like blow up at at dinner where she breaks a glass like in brandy's face and that's because kim was she about to, to keep Right. Still a secret. But at the very least, it was broached, right? My point is they don't even broach these subjects. And anyway, we can move I, on. But Well, I, I'm gonna, I one more point and then we're going to move on. I think we're going to see that a lot more because I think we saw a lot of division between Erica and the ladies this season. And if Erica gets asked back next season, I could see them kind of going against her. Um, and who knows? Secrets might be revealed. But let's move forward because now we should talk about um, they had a whole um, section on weight issues. Um, which was a big topic this season. Um, it starts with Erica um, kind of talking about sexiness and like all that kind of stuff, doing the photo shoot for Dorit. Um, then it moves into um, this, the idea of Amelia or the story about Amelia and her anorexia and how she, you know, told the story and had this journey on national television. And, and this is actually Le- something you can intimately relate to. Yeah, so actually, I was on Revenge Body um, <laughs> this season. You and can talk I, about I, it now. I can talk about it now. Um, and my episode was on uh, January, or not January, July 21st. And um, kind of what my story was, was about my disordered eating and the way I have a relationship with food. And my relationship with food is very similar to Amelia's. 
Um, it was this kind of idea. It was like, I don't care, you know, what happens. Being thin was the most important thing to me. And so it, there is a lot of shame about it, especially not only, you know, being a male for me and having that story and having shame in that, um, but also, you know, being the daughter of a celebrity or, you know, just being a person in general who has, you know, disordered eating or has issues with food, whether it's overeating, undereating, no matter what it is, there's a lot of shame that comes with it because it's kind of those things where it's like, I should be okay because everyone else seems to have a normal relationship with food. Why is my eating different? Why does my brain work a different way? And it's kind of, you know, in Los Angeles, there's also a whole added, uh, added aspect to it because it's almost seemed as the norm to have disordered eating or to have this obsession with image and I get where Kyle's coming from in a, in a way when she's saying she doesn't want to tell her kids because it's just another, um, it's just another image of that pain coming out. But this is where I'm against it. I understand where she was coming from saying she didn't want her daughters to see her in that way or to have that image for them and to have that overshared. But if you don't share, it just stays a secret and the pain just gets bigger and no one can connect with you. So I think sharing and talking about your disordered eating or your overeating or your anorexia, bulimia, no matter what issue you have, the more you talk about it, the more you find community. And I also, this is also what really drew me to this season of Beverly Hills was because I was seeing stories like Amelia's, like Lisa's, like Kyle's. And I saw myself in that and I understood myself in that lens. And I think it's very important to have these conversations. I think this is very important to talk about. Um, one thing I do want to touch on too, that really pissed me off, not only online, but also in this episode was there was someone talking about, Lisa was talking about how people were saying Amelia was going through recovery and they said, well, you don't look anorexic. You don't look skinny. Mm -hmm. And on Twitter, there was a lot of LVP fans coming out at Kyle when she released her thing saying, oh, she's faking it. She's a hypochondriac. Look at these photos of her when she was, you know, younger. She, she didn't have an eating disorder. She didn't have anorexia because she didn't look like she had it. Well, let me tell you, everyone, eating disorders do not have a boilerplate image. They do not look a certain way and they do not make a person seem a certain way. Eating disorders are never identical. Everyone has their own way that they look, their own way that they feel, the only way that they own way that they manage. So you cannot judge someone or say someone does not look anorexic or someone does not look bulimic because you have no idea. You do not have the power to say that ever because that is not your story. You do not know what that person is going through. So for those people who made those comments, grow up. Understand that that's maybe something of pain in your life that's making you say those things and take a step back because if someone is, has the bravery to a, a come out and come forward about their journey about their path, about their pain, believe that person, support that person and share that story. So others who are dealing with the same thing can come forward as well, because it may, the eating disorder may not look the same for you from person A to person B, but person C might see something in person A that they recognize and that can help with their healing and their journey and their road to recovery. And I think that's all I want to say about that. And I loved Erica, you know, eating her pumpkin pie and cheese mm -hmm. and being like, I, this is the heaviest I've been, but this is, you know, the best I felt and she knows how to be healthy and she knows how to manage her thing. One of the biggest things I learned on the show was if you're hungry, eat. And thinness does not equate health. And thinness, yeah, does not mean that you're healthy. I was 118 pounds when I started my revenge body journey. 
I was unhealthy. I at, was at like five eleven, right? At five nine. Five nine, but still. I I was a stick, and uh, yeah, I looked thin, and I everyone talks about how great I looked. You know, like people would say, "Oh, you're so thin." I wish I was that thin, but like, I wasn't healthy. So don't ever put prescri- like put your things on other people. Don't ever say someone does not look sick enough to have a disorder, or they don't look a certain way so they don't have it. Grow up, be a human being, be a person. And understand that they're coming from a very scary place and their bravery and courage to even come forward about that should be recognized, commended, and supported. Uh, and I will say, Eddie, it's not always easy to share. And that's why, no. and, and that's why I'm proud of you, seriously, for, you. for being able uh, to share your story uh, and not, not just with you know, your immediate family or your friends, but to confront you know your issues and your struggles on TV in front of cameras to you know go through that entire process extremely vulnerable I'm proud of you man that's difficult you know not everyone Thank can you. do it I don't I totally agree that being able to share uh, is not only cathartic but can be helpful to others but not everyone can do it it's actually a feat exactly. of strength. It really is. And, but not everyone has right. that. So I don't think we should totally admonish no, not, people who kind no, of need I'm to go saying, through the journey internally. But No, what I'm saying is it's important for people who have the opportunity and the bravery to share to share. And we should understand that and support those people because those who can't share, who are dealing with it internally, need those stories for their own healing. Right. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm and then you ultimately say, got that platform to be able to share exactly. your story, which I, has touched I, a lot I, of people. Eddie. It really has. I've seen it. Thank you. But yeah, I'm not saying if you have something like this, come forward. I mean, I would hope that you would speak to someone and begin your road to recovery because it is something you can never do alone. I try to do it myself alone. It's the most painful, hardest struggle that you can try to do by hiding it and just keeping it to yourself. So please try to talk to someone if you can. Even if it's please a tight to, circle, right? Even if it, even if it's one or two people, even if it's your best friend, your sister, some, your mom, your dad, someone who's close to you that will support you, have yeah. that conversation. But what I'm saying is that we should support the people who are having these conversations on large platforms like Beverly Hills, like Amelia Gray, who's on Instagram, like people on Revenge Body, because these stories need to be told so that those who are struggling in darkness, who are struggling by themselves, find some light, find something that they can connect to and understand that they're not alone in this journey that they're going through. Uh, do you want to tell the listeners what you were able to accomplish? Yeah, I <laughs> gained 38 pounds, actually. Um, a lot of eating, a lot of hard work. Um, and it was a struggle and I definitely, there was moments where bad thoughts came in and it was very hard for me to, you know, do some of the things that I was being demanded of with my workout regimen and eating. But, you know, uh, every day I showed up and every day I tried and now I'm better for it. So I guess and it doesn't I, end, I, right? Like it's and it never ends. I mean, yeah, there's, I mean, I lost some weight after the show and this is something I've talked to you. I'm, I'm going to be very public about is that, you know, I wasn't, I didn't keep the same weight that I ended the show with for the whole time. I'm, you know, I'm closer to that now. I'm working toward it, getting back to where I was. But, you know, I wasn't cured by the show. The show gave me tools and gave me a support system to move forward. Um, and it's, but it's still a struggle every day. It's not something that's cured overnight. So, you know, support these people on their journey, on their road to recovery, because you can relapse, you can have issues, and that's normal. Yeah, but it's not, it's not a light switch. Stories. It's not no, a light switch. It's, it's a fluid exactly. situation. 
it's progress, not perfection. That was the big thing about my story is that you're not going to, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. You got to put in the time, you got to put in the effort and you got to, you know, make the changes and try your hardest every day. Yeah. So I'm proud of you, Eddie. I'm proud of Amelia and, and the group for sharing their stories. Yeah. I'm proud Kyle, of all of you guys. You. Yeah. Everyone. It's fantastic. A Teddy Mellencamp as well. Teddy too. Um, yeah. You know, she, she went through a very harsh one as well. And you know, I'm really proud of her too, because she's made a, a very beneficial wellness career out of it for other people. She's taking her journey and helping other people in their lives. And I think that's the best thing that you can do. No so. doubt. No doubt. So people should check out, you guys should check out Eddie's episode. It's probably on E somewhere. Yeah, it's on E. It's on demand. So check it out. It's um, episode three, Becoming Amy and from Scrawny to Brawny. So check it out. Um, but yeah, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, because um, I think where we get to now is I think we need to talk about Teddy and Kyle's relationship and then we just mm-hmm. need to get to, into Camille. So first of all, Teddy and Kyle's relationship is where Camille starts to go overboard. Because she begins to explain, as everyone also agrees with, is that Teddy and Kyle are kind of like two peas in a pod. And they have the same thoughts, the same mind, and they're very quick to let you know that they're on the same side. And they're accused of being codependent. Do you agree with that? Okay. Once they start, once Dorit said, yeah, I see this, I was like, okay, this is an issue. Because... I thought Dorit was very close with these girls, but if even Dorit is saying, well, hold up, yeah, you guys are kind of codependent and using that almost as like a team up and advantage, I, I definitely, my my red flag's gone up. I'm going to say that much. How about you? Yeah, I think they're almost like in the honeymoon phase of friendship because yes. they are new friends, right? Relatively. Yeah, they are. So Fairly, I, yeah. I, I, we always talk about like the honeymoon phase when it comes to romantic relationships, but we rarely talk about the honeymoon phase when it comes to platonic friendships. But I think it's a real thing. And I think that's what they're in right now, where they're just like super obsessed with each other. They don't see faults in one another. Yeah. And I mean, they want to spend all their time with each other because they, they do have like a lot of like commonalities and they connect on a pretty deep level. It's not going to last like this. Uh, you know, they also both have a bunch of kids and their own busy lives. But like right now, they're just smitten. Um, I have to ask you a question. What do you think about when Camille basically said um, that they're that creepy? Once, well, no. Yeah, it's creepy. And once <laughs> LVP moved out, Teddy moved in essentially insinuating that Teddy knew that if she got with Kyle, Kyle's the other OG, she'll stay on another season. That's what I thought Camille was insinuating, was that Teddy is using Kyle to stay on the show. I don't think that was her main motivation. Uh, I've told you before that I felt like Teddy realized that she was a pawn in LVP's maneuver. Okay. Uh, whereas before she thought they were going to be like, they were going to be hand in hand going after Dorit. Yeah. And she didn't want to go mano a mano with like LVP kind of like pulling the strings. I think that was probably her main motivation, but people don't just have like singular motivations. motivations. There, there could be like layers to this. And I think one of those, uh, one of those could have been that, she saw an opportunity to get closer to Kyle if she were to backstab LVP. 
I think it's probably a confluence of a bunch of things. I think it's I think it's a few different things. Um, but now let's get to Camille because that is the bulk of the end of this episode. Um, Camille, Camille, Camille um, is crazy. Um, first, she tries to defend um, herself by saying it's the Bravo editors, um, a very Ramona um, uh, kind of excuse. She's like, oh, well, you guys edited that in. That's how you guys edited. And Andy's like, no, 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 no. Once again, this crazy person is trying to blame the editors for the actions that you said and you did, which, you know, you can't can't do it. And and Kyle actually calls her out on this. And she's like, and because Camille's like, well, everyone talks about everyone behind everyone's back. Everyone, everyone talks shit about each other. And they're like, well, yeah, but you did it on camera. There's a difference between talking behind someone's back and talking behind someone's back on camera where you know you're going to be taped and you know you're going to say it's going to be, could be used against you. I'm on team Camille here. Thank you for saying it in front of the camera. That's the point of the show. Once again, Kyle leading the charge on this culture of secrecy. This is not an excuse, Eddie. There's a difference between like, what's the right thing to do to maintain the friendship versus, oh, you've signed on to do a reality show, so give us give us some stuff. And Kyle is basically admitting throughout this whole episode, like, I'm not going to put my husband on blast, you know, and honestly, she kind of, the way she snapped, I mean, there's something there. Yeah. And and then she's like, oh, I'm going to protect my friends uh, if they're going through drama. So I'm not going to bring that in, up in front of the camera. And then goes, oh, look, yeah, we all talk shit, but we're not going to talk shit in front of the camera that could, you know, maybe like jeopardize a friendship. And it's like, okay, so what you're saying is you are hyper curating yourself for the show. That is really annoying. Um, I'm going to end that rant because I just I, I okay. feel like I keep touching on it and no, it's I, over. I, I, I know, but I want to I want to take it from a different perspective where I mean, people you can be annoyed and like have your ideas about people all the time and have, you know, like Camille saying, oh, you know, I don't think Dor- Dorit is has actually all of her money, whatever. I could say that about whoever, whatever. I think what maybe the ladies are more upset at is that when you do it on camera. It's almost an attack. You know what I mean? Which I get your point. That's the show. And I love that. And because, you know, it is kind of like fueling the fire, fuels the drama, makes the show go. But it's instead of like, oh, just talking shit on someone behind their back, which is like, oh, I feel bad. Like, I'm disappointed that you would be a shitty person behind me. It's more of like, I'm calling you out by talking this shit on camera. Like, I want to you to know that this is what I think about you. You know what I mean? Which is, I think, which is why they were probably more offended because it felt like Camille was just going after people one-on-one and being like, boom, firecracker, boom, firecracker. I'm, I'm laying down all of these tracks so I can come after you later. See, I just wish they would address the content of what she is saying instead of the form in which she said it. See, that's my yeah. problem. I don't mind them trashing Camille. Like, I think she deserves it in a lot of ways. But I don't like why they are trashing her because they're not trashing her exactly for what she said right because they want to avoid those conversations so they're trashing her instead for saying those things in front of the camera yeah it's like i'm just so tired of having this same conversation for bh i guess i would love if they just debated the the whole thing about the topics on hand instead of instead of how the conversation was being brought up so then we could actually have like one side going no dorit doesn't have a bunch of debt and isn't being sued by a bunch of people 
And then Camille's saying, yes, she is. But they don't want to talk about that. In fact, every time they do address it, like Erica and Kyle in different instances say something to the effect of, you know, we don't know really what's going on there. They're not even really taking Dorit's side. (laughs) They're kind of like, that's going to play out how it's going to play out. We're not even going to defend our friend Dorit. I would love it if they actually just jumped in and defended Dorit. But they don't even really like Dorit enough to do that. That's what's hilarious to me. It's all there kind of in the subtext, but if you really look at it, all they're doing is protecting their own asses because they don't want to get called out. So everything is like kind of like in the middle, like very vague. We don't want to really touch anything so we don't get touched. Yeah, it's it's kind of more playing. Uh, it's like more of a defensive game than an offensive game, or they're trying to be. Sorry, yeah. it's more of an offensive game than a defensive game. No, I think you had it. It's a defensive sure. game. It's a defensive yeah. game. They're playing defense constantly. Yeah. Um, I want to I want to ask you about um, Camille's idea that she can have two independent thoughts that are still both true about her trashing LVP and then loving LVP. I completely I, agree with that. I completely you do? agree with that. Yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. Human emotions are complex. You know, we can hold contradictory thoughts all the time. We could be like really, really angry with someone, but love them at the same time. I mean, that's a relationship, by the way. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I kind of got the idea. My thing is, is like, if I see where I am is like, if I hate someone, I hate someone. Like, if I'm going to talk shit on them, they're done. I don't think that's true at all. You don't? For you. Me? How? Your ex. Who was referenced on Revenge Body? So I think that's a different situation. You, no, it's not. I, that's no, humanity, no. Eddie. Like it could be really complicated where you're like really pissed at him and you could be really mad at him and hate him at times, but then you're like, oh, I love him. And we've we have this past, this extensive history. Come on. I think there's a difference between um basically coming to bat for someone. And then trashing basically that stance again in the next sentence. So basically, if I, it, it's different from the next situation where it's like, oh, they've hurt me. I hate them so much. Whatever. You know, I'm done. And then, oh, let's hook up. As opposed to, oh, I can't believe this person was um, talking crap about this dog or like made up that like did this whole thing and is being so shady with this whole dog situation. Well, let's look like, at this oh, exact no, no, no. scenario, right? Let's look at this yeah. exact scenario. So Camille in a um, magazine interview that happened a week or so before her wedding, said that she's really grateful for LVP's friendship and that LVP kind of like spurred on her relationship, right? Yeah. Like she she credited LVP essentially for getting her to the place in which she could ultimately get married, okay? That could be true. At the same time, she feels upset a week later that LVP didn't show up to her wedding. And you could say, you know, God, I love LVP. We have such an extensive history together. And she's really been there for me, you know, the last few years when times have been tough. And then she actually pushed me to but finally Armin, get married. Armin, the, and article now I'm, and out, now, the article came out after the wedding. You're blaming, you're blaming the date of the, of, of the did, article did they, being published. Did they, did they explicitly state that the interview happened before? Yeah, no. they did. No, they literally did. According to Camille? Camille isn't in charge of the magazine's publication timeline. She's not there with the editor-in-chief like, all right, you ready to drop this? They yeah, do their but, thing. Okay. No, I get what you're saying. But the other thing I want to just touch on really quick um, before we should probably just move to Camille's breakdown um, is 
I, I think I get kind of where they're upset, where it kind of is just proving so much more that Camille can't be trusted. It's it, And I get where I now I get why Lisa said that was like, it's like the timing of it where it's like, okay, you're coming under fire for all these things that you're saying. And then you have contradictory things in the press. I get where they could kind of be like, okay, maybe I don't trust you. And that's kind of where it all spurred from more so than, oh, I'm mad that you said one thing and said the other thing. And like, that can't be true, but more so like, this came a front uh, at the same time that we were already dealing with issues regarding this situation as a whole in regards to like your trustworthiness as a friend. Well, shit, I wouldn't trust Camille either. I mean, neither would I, <laughs> which I totally get where they're coming from. So, but let's, let's, let's uh, talk about the final blow up. Cause I this think is the best. You literally asked me, how did this happen? How did this happen? <laughs> and mind you, and I watched it. Like, you watch yeah. it and you still don't understand how it happened. I watched it twice to make sure that I understand. <laughs> so basically, it starts with the fight about the agency party. Right. And Camille says that Denise told her to tell her daughter that she was a fucking liar in regards to the whole Teddy Mellicamp snub. Denise immediately comes back and goes, that's not what I said. And they show a clip. Denise said, if what happened to you happened to me, I would defend my daughter, but then I would make them feel, and Camille jumps in and goes, make them feel like shit. And Teddy, Denise is like, no, no. I would make them feel like Teddy didn't snub them and let them know that everything is okay. And Denise is like, oh, well, you know, well, like, no. Like kind of thing and blows up. Camille, so Camille, we, Camille does. Oh, that. sorry, Camille. Camille does that. Blows up. So then when we get back to the reunion, Camille's like, "Well, no, no. You said earlier in the Bahamas that you curse at your children, and that's why you, you know, that's why I said you would say that things to your daughter." And Denise is like, "No, I never said that." And they show the clip again, and Denise tells in unseen footage Camille that she screams at her daughter sometimes. She loses her temper and just yells at them. Never says curses. Says screams. Which, um, hello, which parent hasn't? I mean, I think I've been screamed at a million times because I was a stupid idiot kid. Literally I mean, never a... screamed at. Really? Ever? Mm-hmm. No, never. Not once. Never? Oh, I got screamed at all the time. No, never. Not, not once screamed at. And in fact, later in life, my mom told me why she never screamed at me. My dad's kind of low-key anyway. Um, also, I, I never got in trouble growing up, really. Um, see, well, that's where me and you differ. <laughs> I got in trouble. <laughs> I was doing mastermind schemes, like pushing toy boxes in front of doors and eating gummy candies in my room behind my parents at five years old. I was definitely deserving of the screams. Um, but yeah, so basically all the ladies are like, yo, like, none of this happened, Camille. You're like, like, Denise is like, you're crazy. And Camille goes on the defense because she's like, no, no, no. She's so sure of her own delusion that she defends it by saying, no, you guys are all crazy. This is a setup. This is a witch hunt. I'm leaving. And even Andy's like, wait, what is going on? Oh my gosh. What was the first thing that Camille said, which was like blatantly wrong. And then they cut to the agency party to show that what she is saying is like absolutely incorrect. That Denise told her to tell her daughter she was a fucking liar. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that part. What? Like, where is Camille getting this from? She, I think she had her own argument in her head that she thought the conversation was going to go like, that she had imagined, and that is her reality now. Or she's senile. It's like faulty memory to the nth degree. I could not believe it. Because, you know, 
with the edits, it just looks so much worse. What's funny is when she said that Denise called her daughter a fucking liar, I was like, oh. You're like, yeah, that happened? No, I was like, ooh, we're going to see some unseen footage. Because I, I didn't quite remember that. You're like, well, no, this never happened. That's why you don't remember it. Because it's not true. And what's great is that, like, everybody immediately understands that it's totally not true. They're all like, what? What are you saying? And, and that's why Camille gets so defensive and feels like everyone's attacking her is because she doesn't realize that she's wrong. In her own mind, she's right. Because that's how she remembers the events, even though it is greatly incorrect oh my god do you think that's why she thinks it's a setup she like actually thinks that all of them including andy like conspired to create a fake story of what happened at the agency party like okay we have the footage we all know we all know what happened but we're gonna just like pretend to camille that this is what happened exactly that's exactly what she thinks and i think we're gonna see that when she comes back next episode she comes back to the chair but she's like all these bitches are fucking setting me up she thinks that they all are making up this story to defend the new golden girl uh denise that's 100 percent. that's why i love andy's reaction because he's like wait what setup like what what's the set no. like where's the setup here i'm sure we're gonna get more to the story about why camille i think camille just literally her information is correct in her own mind and she just screwed herself over and literally thinks it's a setup because it's not what she remembers she lost her shit She's out of it. She's out of it. And she can't be wrong. She feels like this whole thing is set up to make her look bad because LVP is not there. And she's fueling this delusion through this, through this, I guess, imagined history. One of my favorite outbursts from the episode is when she, when they're calling her out on the teeth comments. She's like, you all fucking laughed. Yeah, she's like, you all fucking laughed. <laughs> Doesn't make it okay. It just yeah. means that everyone laughs. It's the dumbest comeback. She's like, it's okay as long as it's funny. <laughs> exactly. She's like, it's fine. It was all in jest. Yeah, no, 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 no. And she's like, they're like, would, have, would Lisa have invited you to Vegas if she would have known this? And she's like, no, no, no. she wouldn't have. <laughs> no. Uh, well, it was a great reunion episode. It, it was fun. It was fun. It w- I think that walk-off really, really like took it to another level. I agree. I think it's going to, that's, I think this is going to be an iconic reunion for a few different reasons. I think one that we'll never forget. Um, but that's definitely one of the moments for sure. We like our reunions drunk, right? Like sober reunions are boring. Am I right? Right. Kind of like Rena and Erica. (laughs) Oh God, don't start that. Um, Uh, Kyle was so embarrassed. She was like, I never said that. And they're like, oh no, you said that Erica was worse. Like, no, you said it. Um, I mean, I'm excited for next episode. It looks like Camille comes back. We're going to get a little bit more into the drama. There's more tears. Um, so if you guys don't want to miss a single one of our recaps, please make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening, whether that's SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, iTunes, or Spotify. If you guys um, want to follow us on social media, you can find us on um, Instagram and Twitter by searching Hot and Bravoed. That's H-O-T and B-R-A-V-O-D. Um, Armin, how can people find you? at Armin Mahram. And I'm at Eddie underscore Estrada. We will see you guys next week.